Well, welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. This is me, your host, Will. I hope I hope you're doing okay. I hope life is treating you with some semblance of order. I want to welcome uh, onto the show this week uh, Pearl and Ray. Pearl, do you want to say hello? No. And uh, Ray over there, uh, two two daughters uh, from the same household, both alike, uh, and one stroppy, one not so stroppy. One three, one seven month old. It, it's a wonderful thing to have the kids with me uh, because they have to be. <laughs> they don't have a choice, mainly because, oh, geez, you know, this weekend's crazy and I've just got to do it. And uh, it's unprofessional, but <laughs> what are you going to do? This week, guys, Felix White. It's always summer somewhere. It's a great book. It's currently doing pretty damn well in the, in the charts. Uh, he, so the book, right, why Felix is on the show. Felix has written an amazing book about his own experiences with cricket, how it, what role it played in his life. So from a very young age, uh, he suffered some trauma and it helped guide him, helped him feel, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, embossed in a world of pain I suppose but in a in a kind of familiar way uh, that made him feel safe and and obviously he then became this uh, successful musician in the Maccabees and it's a journey through both of those things through music and through loss he interviews cricketers as well I want to tell you right now you do not have to be into cricket to enjoy this book it's, it's absolutely the opposite in fact You'll probably want to go and watch cricket after reading this book, to be honest. But it's funny because it harks back to a period of time when England was was so bad at cricket that you could pretty much set your clock by their cricket collapses, sorry, batting collapses. So they're just they're just awful, terrible, terrible. You know, poor old Angus Fraser just plodding in and just getting knocked for four endlessly. Um, or Devon Malcolm, uh, if he's not bowling, you know, South Africa out for like five runs he's he's spraying it left and right the 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 as a bowler these people are um cricketers by the way i'm not having some crazy uh, just meltdown just picking names out of the air um although that would be fun great names hey phil de Freitas, what a what a name that is he was another legend graham hick graham thorpe peter such remember those guys robin smith oh my god real legends and and so the book is very witty it's very poetic when it talks about his own experiences following cricket and getting into it at such a young age and watching it on tv because cricket used to be on tv on terrestrial television i used to spend hours watching it and it was amazing so basically it's it's kind of a um if, if you're not into cricket it doesn't matter if you are then it's it helps um but yeah, and then I guess coming up would be the the music element of it. So the music is is really important because the Maccabees are one of those bands that I wasn't really aware of until maybe their third album, maybe no second probably. Um, but they they never really they they were never like front and center of my life. Perhaps like the BRMC were or the Cribs were, or or the Datsuns or who, whoever. Um, but they were definitely there. So we definitely talk about his experience with music and it's so interesting when he talks about his own mental health and how cricket i don't know how it played such a huge vital but pretty dark abstract part in his life um and and how it it toured the world with him it's kind of mental it's, it, it is. I love it. And it, I, I fell in love with this book and immediately I just thought, it, it, yes, yes, I want to read this from cover to cover. Um, so, yeah, go and buy it. Sorry, this is such a random podcast intro this today. I, I've got literally no other option. I'm stressed out of my fucking head. And frankly, like, what do you do? You know, don't worry, Pearl's way over there. She didn't hear me curse. Um, but Ray did. Poor girl. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. As always, you can find me on Instagram, the Limehouse Podcast, or you can find me on Twitter at Limehouse Pod. Do join me. Hi, Neil. Hi, Rob. Hi, Grant. Wall of Fame is, is there if you want to get on it. 
you get a shout out. Neil, Rob, Grant, John, you're, you're all on there. You're on the Wall of Fame. Kev, you're on the Limehouse Podcast Wall of Fame. No women yet. Don't know what that's about. Maybe we could work on that. Maybe I don't interview enough women. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But, um, hey, women, ladies, girls, drop me a, drop me a tweet at Limehouse Pod. Anyway, uh, rock on, stay safe, blah, 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 blah. Cricket rocks, it's as simple as that. Yeah, hello. Will. Hi, how you doing, mate? Hi, mate. Nice to speak to you in real life at last. Nice to speak to you too. I'm, um, I'm so pissed off and stressed out about my life right now. Um, really I'm being on? a serious Amdram moment here, mate. Got a fucking oak tree that they've decided like to cut down slash just really great. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. It's like, what do you mean? What's it? What's in your? Oh, it's just falling in your garden or something? No, no, it's not even that. It's just an old knackered one across the road. They're like, you know what oh, we're right. going to do? We're going to pick this day and this moment to fuck with your head. So oh, no. it's, just, it's just one of those. How are you doing anyway, man? I feel Sorry like I'm fucking yeah. like, I feel like I know you inside and out from this oh, book. Oh, that's nice. One second, put headphones on because we're going to have to, do you want me to do it in a microphone if you like, or is it just, is this okay on the computer? That's kind of fine like that, mate. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's all. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Okay. One sec. Oh. But yeah, I'm all, I'm all good, mate. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on the on the on your show. No, it's just really it's just, it's just great to fucking have you on, mate. To be honest, it's just to talk to someone that's like under eighty years old and is into cricket. Like, <laughs> honestly, it's like I just spoken to um, what's his um, Glenn Maxwell. And, oh wow! Um, really. Yeah, like a little what like about a, a month ago, I guess. Oh right, we came and, on the podcast. Yeah, and it was so fun. Oh my god, it was so much fun. Um, slash weird because like you, I don't know, man. I don't know about you, but when you started interviewing these um, some of the absolute legends of our time of cricket, were yeah. you a little bit scared? Like, oh my god, I'm like bursting the bubble of like these people course, that I basically yeah. worshipped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what in terms of you bursting the bubble? In terms of what you worried, you didn't want to find out certain things. You mean, or yeah, yeah, or just like I don't know, just like the legends. Do you know what I mean? It's like I've always speak about when I'm speaking to my guests about like acting and and the world of acting and how it's a little bit like the Wizard of Oz, and you, you the, the curtain comes down, and and you you know you certainly want that you you, you want that. So like yeah, was there any was there an element of that? I feel yeah, there, there probably is an element of that, but it was but you do have to get over that quite quickly if you're a musician as well because you're meeting a lot of your heroes and stuff like that. So I think I have sort of got over that. Mm. I'd actually say more than more often than not, cricketers surprise me with in a positive way. I think but I'd have to have a little think about that. Well, was he this slightly disappointing, Glenn Maxwell? No, not but, really. Just like he was. <laughs> I don't know, he just seemed a little bit down. Like, not down, but like a bit bitter. Do you know what I mean? Like, right, a, okay. Like, I started talking about the one-day format, 20 over cricket, 50 over whatever, and he was just a bit like, well, you know, you know, it's just, uh, it's not my idea of cricket, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. okay. Well, I'm a bit more of the, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was a bit, I'm more like the Michael Vaughan kind of like any format of the game, I celebrate it kind of vibe. You sure. Know? Yeah, yeah, sure. But, um... Man, I I gotta say, like this is the first time I've interviewed somewhere I don't know where to, to where to start, um, because I was walking with the dogs earlier, and um, I was thinking to myself how, like until I read this book, I thought I was kind of like the only one that had your experience, um, if, with cricket and grief. Like to put it to put it like just to put you in the picture, my my dad died when I was twenty two, so I was a very young twenty two year old. Um, and I did that cricket cave thing as well. Really? <laughs> like literally what you went through with your mum and everything. Yeah, man, like totally, total escapism, totally like, I know, like enrolled into this, they're, they're shit, they're, def they're, they're not good at anything. Uh, it kind of like 
props up my feelings about life and like you know and what have you make you feel better about other people failing and what have you and I was reading this book I was like and and also I was in bands right so when you were like doing your your shit with the Maccabees and and going up I was like doing not the same but you know trying to right with a very similar kind of sound and I was like fuck me man Felix where the fuck were you like 15 years ago man we would have been pretty good buddies I think but anyway there's my little I don't know where to start so you know oh man that's amazing I mean that's just really lovely to hear that actually because not many people have read the book yet so um and a lot of it is stuff that I wouldn't have necessarily have said well I wouldn't have even known at the time so a lot of it is stuff that would be would have been slightly beyond my conscience at the time even if that makes any sense um yeah no no of course of course man so uh yeah yeah, what, what interests me sorry Felix sorry to interrupt were you going to say something extra there no 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 go for it go for it my, my enthusiasm might get on your tits soon mate um, I was just I was just going to say like how did you go about uh, like the concept of the book because I, I was, I've, I've written um, an autobiography but it was it's based around um, my experiences with the people I've interviewed juxtaposed with my life experience and sure. it's, it's very very similar I think to the way you've done it with cricket um, and it's brilliant it's just so brilliant there's no jarring there's no like oh he's fucking managed to shoehorn Alex Stewart in like it's just <laughs> it just it just works so brilliantly when did the, the concept of the book first like come come to your mind um yeah well I uh yeah, that's cool that you said that. I, I've, I, I actually have never thought about, I never felt I was going to write a book like this ever. ever. Um, it all came about by accident, really, when, because I, I, after the Maccabees, I ended up doing Tail Enders with Jimmy Anderson and stuff yeah. like that, and it ended up becoming a bit of, um, my life took an exciting tangent that I wouldn't have expected it to otherwise, quite a left-field one. And I wrote, I ghost-wrote Jimmy's book, and then the... Really? Um, yeah, I ghost wrote his book, and then the publishers were like, "Do you want to write, a, you know, a cricket book yourself or something?" So we quite um, so, so we, it literally happened in one meeting where we sat down and worked out what my book could be. And the idea was because Tail End sort of articulates how it feels to be in love with cricket, why not yeah. do that? And so I thought, oh, I'll do a memoir like you talking about your book, but through. Mm through the game so what how however how the game has always spoken to me or projected whatever feelings back into yeah. it and um i i think when we did the meeting i knew if i was going to do it properly what it was really going to be about which was grief and loss and all that kind of thing and how we carry that stuff and where we put it but i didn't basically just didn't tell anyone so when i went went in and did the book I ended up just being completely on my own, just going fully in, really. And it just, the further I got, the further I went. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I did, but I think it's the kind of thing you can't even say. I felt like it's the kind of thing I couldn't even say out loud. I need to, like, literally get the whole thing down. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was, it was a real, like, kind of, I was I was in my own headspace for a couple of years with it, man. A couple of years? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. It feels yeah, all like... That 18 um, months, yeah. Okay, because it feels like you, you smashed it out in no time. It's got that feeling to it. It is relentless. It's very, very, um, I think some of it reminded me a little bit of Jack Kerouac, actually, like that on the road vibe. It's like it's it's pretty, um, just a little bit of, tra- um, oh God, what's it called? Um, Train of thought. It's all cut. Yeah, that kind of thing, but it's... Yeah, I, it's interesting just, you say that because Phil, thank you, man. I feel um, Phil Walker, who is the editor of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, he who's the first person that ever got me to write about cricket at all. Um, he did a bit of like the like the, the preliminary editing of it, and that's the first thing he said that it reminded him of Kerouac, and it's just everything at, <laughs> at once. Yeah, um, there you go, man. Lovely. I, I actually never, I've actually never read that book, but I probably should, shouldn't I? I think so. It depends. If you suffer from anxiety, I'd just like make sure you're in a good space when you read it. Because like, <laughs> when I first yeah, yeah. read it, I was like, and I'm having an anxiety attack. This book is completely mental. Oh, really? Okay, uh, in a good yeah. way, I think. I'm just yeah, a very yeah, sensitive yeah. person, I think. But um, yeah. like, what, what was your relationship with... Because um, when I started writing mine, I, I, um, mine isn't... My, by the way, I've, I haven't written this book or anything yet, as in like, sorry, I haven't published it or anything. But when I first started writing about my experiences, like really having to go to task on them uh, with, with grief and previous relationships with girls or whatever, um, 
what was your relationship with with grief um f- like when you started to like i don't know what the word is but like forensically examine your your relationship with grief like with your mum and what have you yeah i think um i think it's not something as 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 you know i don't know how far you got but as a book sort of details i think um the, the interesting process of the book, I think, a little bit was was that thing. But you know, I, I, my mum died when I was seventeen, and I didn't really start properly um, consciously processing it really till I was about at least thirty, or till yeah. I was thirty. So I feel like there was a period of time there where um, there was a lot of denial happening. There was a lot of uh, like a lot of frenetic activity in my life, and so it was interesting to unpack it really and work out what was driving all of that activity basically and I think it would happen to so many people who I mean you hear it much more now but people um, have loved ones dying there immediately in therapy which is obviously a really incredibly healthy thing but just at the time it just wasn't a thing you weren't really it just wasn't as you may or may not have remembered yourself like it wasn't really wasn't talked about but you go and do that that just wasn't something that was on the radar necessarily yeah so it was so it was just interesting it was it was interesting to me in hindsight how deeply i felt about cricket and these yeah men going through these little losses you know and how much i'd put into that and the sort of um harboring of a new family and the need to sort of achieve or like be seen um, is quite often a response to young grief I've heard yeah, yeah no absolutely um, so when when this is what I'm having I knew I'd have trouble with is because I feel so enthused by this book I don't know where to start um, <laughs> I d- you, it's man. so easy when you when you talk to someone who's just like this fucking linear thing like I know like Maccabees albums and what have you that's easy but I'm not necessarily like I am interested in your musical career of course I am but this is just so much deeper and it's really hard to get to the, the heart and soul of someone that you've never fucking met before. And I, I'm not Louis Theroux, do you know what I mean? So it's just like, but God. Really, that's nice that you, I'm, 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 I'm touched you said that, man, because I was, um, because that was what, I, I'd, re- I'd read a lot of um, grief memoirs and things beforehand. Like I really loved Gavandra Hodge's Consequences of Love. Ariel Levy's yeah. got a book called Unabbrevi- Unabbreviated Life. A few okay, others I, haven't, well. I haven't read these, what, so I'll have to give them a go. You should, yeah, because what I really liked about those books was um, that you really get the sense that this person's telling you something that they can't even, or they haven't even sold their best friends. And it's only through that format, having that much space and that much time to get absorbed in it, that, that they can really tell you their story. And I was really yeah. sort of taken by that, that, it, that writing a book could be could be used as a vehicle for that so that's how i wanted it to feel really but um and are you what are you how are you feeling about like people reading it i'm terrified i mean i actually haven't even considered it until recently and even when you're saying that to me now i'm like fucking hell what have i done but (laughs) but i I think um i think i feel good about it i mean i can't quite believe i've done it but also i'm hoping it'll feel cathartic i think yeah i'm hoping it will feel well, one thing that was that I was excited about is that I've literally told the unguarded truth about the inner workings of my psyche. And so I th- yeah. I'm hoping that it'll make me feel a bit lighter in the world after it because there's nothing to hide. And as I feel like I've got, got rid of that, maybe like that sort of tussling with yourself when you're trying to project mm. a certain personality that isn't you, if that makes sense. Mate, yeah, totally. There's the inner boy that is constantly in this book. Like yeah. it is just... And when you when you are putting that down on paper to the to the world, that is shit that is so deep, so ingrained in you. No, you don't you don't necessarily own it anymore. Like other people, like myself, have no, I don't own it, but they've shared it and they know something about you. Like you've given an awful lot of yourself to this book, I think. And I also like yeah. it because it's not shitty trash. Like some autobiographies just just go in for the drugs and the fucking blowjobs behind the bike sheds and all this kind of stuff right um you know well yeah that was the other thing i was caught of like when i decided i was going to go in and i was going to involve um, people from my life in it i was really that was what i've really set in my mind that 
any failings would be about my response to it or how I dealt with it. You know, like I did, there was, the last thing I wanted to do really was to speak about anyone. Because when you do look back, I don't know if you have the same thing in your life, but when I look back at any of my past relationships, however they ended or whatever, I just feel incredibly grateful for them now. So, and that was another tool, vehicle for it actually in the book was, yeah, it was a way of being able to say that. And interestingly, because I, I had to prove it with everyone <laughs> once I'd written it. So I, I ended up going back and speaking to all the people in this book to firstly see if they were right of what was written and if it was, you know, if they hadn't been misrepresented. But each of those conversations led to really amazing kind of closure, like not chats being like, let's meet up for coffee, but chats where they like, we talked about what happened and how we both felt about it with perspective and they were really like loving conversations. So almost to answer your question from before, so part of me feels like that was what the writing a book was about to be able to have all those conversations with, you know, the people close to me and my family and stuff. And um, that was kind of almost worth it, worth it in itself. Yeah. No, no, of course. I, I, th- I think my, um, my experience after my, my dad died, like w- was, was pretty brutal. Our family didn't fall apart, but my mum certainly uh, hit the rocks. And um, when I was writing my sort of memoir thing, I, yeah, I need, I need to, talk, <laughs> I need to talk to family members before I even think about putting it out. But um, just, just to basically, you know, I don't know, go back to the beginning, right? Because my, my love of cricket um, started um, with my granddad. So we went. My first law, my first cricket experience was. Um, he was a fucking hell, he was a Lord's member. And get this, right? He didn't pass his membership down to his son, <laughs> my uncle. <laughs> so what's the, you, what's the deal with that? Can you not, can you not, you have to pass it down, you have to sort of say, I'm handing it down. Yeah, wow, yeah, he and he just didn't do it. I don't know fucking why, man. But like, intentionally, he or he forgot, or we don't know. I, I think it, he, he probably forgot, in yeah. all honesty, but I don't know if that's something you, you, you forget. I don't know, I don't really know. Interesting. Like, I like to think that he just forgot. Um, <laughs> but, but, but my first experience was, uh, who was it? It was England, New Zealand at, uh, at Lords. Um, I can't remember which stand, but it was just to the left of the pavilion as you look at it um, from the nursery or nursery end. Yeah. And um, I could just remember seeing Lords for the first time and just being like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? What was your first experience? What of of cricket or of, of cricket? Yeah, or, or just like maybe just being wowed by it, if, even if there was a wow moment. It's not in the book, but it's that's funny you mentioned that because what I just remembered was, as you know, Fred. But like, yeah, my like you, my granddad sort of like fed cricket into me, and that was it was the bridge in which our relationship existed, and sort of infused my enthusiasm for the game. But he took me. He took me to Lords my first ever cricket match actually oh no because well, i'll be I'm, the oval's my home ground but i think he took me to lords and i i remember actually op- in opposite to you i think it was like a middlesex game so there's no one there and he i remember him saying to me if we went in like this might be quite overwhelming for you because it's massive and you know don't type thing and so i remember turning up and actually seeing it and not being overwhelmed at all and but, but, <laughs> being, but being like i've got to give him the impression i'm overwhelmed so I'm oh. like wow <laughs> it's crazy but i think i think it's because there was no one there so right and county cricket as you know is quite an underwhelming experience generally yeah <laughs> it's I, not great it's well, not no, good but um but i don't know I've, I've yeah i've been going to the oval really since i was very little and still doing this sort of little yeah, sad cricket cave as 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 you mentioned at the start there i know or going with your mates was so funny when you were describing the book you're going with your mates when you're little boys and and they were like there to just basically play truant and you're there going yeah i'm a wild card but could you just shut the fuck up so i can watch <laughs> yeah. this over please exactly, could you yeah. just pipe the fuck down that's exactly yeah. that because there's always, that's 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 funny that you picked <laughs> up on that but that's so true because I've, and I've always felt that as a cricket fan that like at cricket matches everyone around you tends to give the impression they're not really there for the cricket and that's the thing that cricket like has this thing where it's like even the people that love it pretend not to love it. And I remember this sort of thing of like, no, 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 I actually really want to watch what's happening here, but feeling uncool to say it, even though we're at a fucking cricket match. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like cricket's got that, yeah. such a weird relationship with itself in that sense. I know. Um, it's so funny. Yeah, Love yeah. It. It's like going like it's like going to see a film. I feel like everyone's just talking and you're like, no, no, I actually want to watch it. <laughs> I actually here to see the film. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> funny that you picked up on that. No, I just like I just totally relate to it. I mean, like, I, I what I, what got me thinking about your the childhood um, love of the game was when I was a boy. My dad taught me how to play this game called How's That, where what you did you the file dice. off the uh, no, no, no. yeah the dice man yeah, so gone. and you you buy or you do a DIY version you file off the uh, paint off the pencil. And you 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 type it type in <laughs> God you go draw in like the numbers one two three four and six and like how's that on it or whatever yeah, yeah and then you roll it and then on the other dice you've got all the ways you can get out yeah and, and not, not out yeah brilliant yeah mate like so what, I used what to happens spend... to the bat so the bat the, the bowler yeah the batter rolls it and then the bowler what, do you both That's roll at exactly the same time it. yeah yeah yeah. Or if you're like me and you have no friends, you play it on your own. And that's what I used to do. <laughs> what, and you just score yourself type thing. You, yeah, really nice little score books. I used to love score books when I was a kid. So you just have like, I just, you know, like you, man, I'll be geeking out on like, who's opening the batting? Or, you yeah, know, always oh, I'm man, really, really thinking about it, you know? Yeah, 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 oh my God, yeah, mate. I would have been, like you said, I would have been there if you rolling those dice, man. I would have been yeah. locked in. I remember that. I remember all that stuff being young, like right, making little games and writing down the scores. And I did loads of that. Because for the book, I did end up like um, digging out all my old books and stuff. And there's so many, like my England squad to go to South Africa 1994 type thing. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. like all of that kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Really but if, cool. if, that was a fo- if that was football, people would be like, yeah, I mean, that's just, just cool and whatever. And that's just yeah. what you do as a kid. Panini sticker book with cricket they ain't, they ain't fucking Panini sticker books. No, There's none no. of that shit, mate. No, it's no, like no, 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 no. Yeah, <sighs> cricket badgery they call it in the game. Yeah, I was offended yeah. by it at first being called a cricket badger, but you learn to sort of be like, okay, that's maybe what I am. Well, I mean, you got black hair and your beard's going. You got flecks of white oh, in there. Oh, have you you? Maybe they're called. Maybe they're saying I literally look like a badger. Is that what's maybe there isn't cricket? I mean, you know, man, you know, maybe there's there's a certain truth in that. I don't yeah. know. But um, so like it, it, it for me, like cricket um, was uh, a love hate thing because it was bloody terrifying because you get hit by a ball and it really hurt. Yeah. Um, did you any, have any fear in the game when you were a kid at all? Have any have any fear? Yeah, of like the ball or oh, getting all, hit. Getting all whacked. I've ever had with cricket is fear. I've, I've, I think that's why I'm so fascinated about it. Is but still to this day, I can't get out of my the quite the pretty rational response to the fact that that thing fucking hurts and people throw that at you hard and the humiliation yeah. of it ever watching it. And I think that's a bit, little bit of what the fascination of the game is, is because it's so superhuman to me to even stand in front of it. That I was yeah. constantly humiliated as a as a kid during cricket matches, and I still am. It was last week I got hit for three sixes in my only over, oh, and got mate. taken off by one of my best mates doing the the captain is like you're coming off. Just remember that humi- that that humiliation just happens again and again and again in cricket. Sadly, what about you? Yeah. Did you feel fear for the ball? Oh, terrified. Yeah, I um, I don't know. It's just a hard ball, and I'm not a hard. I mean, I've started playing cricket again, but I'm not a hard lad. I don't think you necessarily even yeah, have to be hard. I think you should. Yeah, it was just, I just got hit uh, a couple of times when I was a kid. Um, I mean, like 10 or 12 years old. And then I went to play for the my, a, a boys, um, well, a, a men's team in my local village. And um, yeah, the opposition just thought, you know what we're going to do? We'll, <laughs> we'll send on the fast bowler because I could bat a tiny bit. It wasn't great. I was like a number seven or eight. And um, this arsehole skinhead came in and bowled to really fucking hurt me i didn't have a helmet on i was a tiny little boy and it scarred me for life it took me 20 what, what, odd that, years was, to play again what you're bowling at your head basically yeah yeah and then it hit me on the thigh and i had to go off retired hurt aged bloody 12 and this they yeah. were like celebrating it what, was mental what and this guy was an adult yeah yeah he's probably about 18 19 years old See, that is just not like, that's just some real life lessons getting dealt to you right there. Yeah. Like yeah. that, I've actually, because before I've, um, 
I did I did do some writing um, for Wisdom Cricket Magazine for like a year or so, where I did a feature where I met someone and talked about that cricket's influence in the game. And one of them was Gary Neville, and he basically yeah. said exactly what you just said to me there that he was having to compete as an 11, 12 year old against actual adults and it toughened him up so yeah. quickly and it and he felt like he carried that into football because he'd never experienced, like in football you just play against your age group but in cricket yeah. you know, as an 11 year old sometimes expected to play against men and they don't give you like, they don't, don't also don't give you any allowances really do they in that situation? No, none so at all. So you're doing quite a lot of like cognitive like, you know, it's a lot of survivalism right. in it. It's a very survivalistic experience. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, I've got I've got a bunch of questions in my head. Um, but um, I, so I, I chatted with Jonathan Agnew about uh, just over a year ago, and that that was like um, one of those Wizard of Oz moments. You know, taking the the old curtain down and seeing. You know, a bit, a bit scared. Was he going to be nice? Was he going to be horrible? He was absolutely lovely. We I'm had sure a was, fucking yeah. great time. What you? What what made me laugh is how much of a gibbering wreck you turned into when you went on TMS for the first time. Oh my god! Can you what what was you, what were your emotions before it and when you got the go ahead to do the interview? Were you a little bit like oh my god, like a boy again? Yeah, do you know what? That's probably true, isn't it? I mean, I said that I don't really get resolved moment, but there's a huge moment in that book where yeah, that yeah, that was. I think that was because I, I don't know. I, I, a test match special has littered my life from the peripheries from for a long, long, long time. Even to the point that when yeah. you got when I was going on tour, even to have like this sort of element of hearing home, I'd like sort of lock into it late at night and from the other side of the world, all that kind of thing. So they yeah. were that is it is very Wizards of Oz like actually because they're such you know their voices so well. And I did do a lot of imagining, as a lot of cricket badges do, <laughs> of what of what it would be like to be in there and how and because you, you hear them speaking so much, you feel like a part of you, and because of the nature of that show, you feel like you're in conversation with them a little bit sometimes, don't you? That's kind of the, that's what the art form of it is. Yeah. But going in, so so when the Maccabees had, uh, I think it was their last record, maybe one before, the, the press people were like, we need to do some other, what, what are your other interests, you know? So and I was really reluctant, but I was like, oh, well, I love cricket. And they were like, do some cricket stuff. And I, was, I thought, oh, no, I'm just going to be a bit, uncool or whatever but bless her Lisa Ward she was like actually she, she she insisted that I did some cricket stuff she was like no it'll be good which I'm yeah. forever grateful to her for now but anyway she um so we she ended up sort of me going to test match special and I just wasn't I wasn't emotionally prepared for it for firstly how big cricketers hands are <laughs> you won't have this from afar in your podcast but just because of what they do or something when you shake their hand your hand's inside their hand. Oh, yeah. So it's quite... I wouldn't say, is it emasculating? Maybe in some way it's emasculating, but you, it, really, it really punctuates that feeling of like being shrunk inside some sort of like psychedelic universe. So just meeting Agnew and boycott and all that and shaking their hands and feeling like I was, their hands were so like wrapped around mine when it happened, it just sort of really kind of muted me. And when we went on yeah. air... I remember feeling like, ah, uh, I, I remember feeling like it just all going too quickly and I couldn't concentrate on what anyone was saying. It was, it was actually hell. And I yeah. like I've written in a book, that horrible feeling that when I, like, I felt like maybe it was better than I thought it was. When I got home that night, they hadn't even put it, put it up on the like, listen back things. They were obviously like, that like, yeah. was fucking. What was that guy that on? That was a car crash. Yeah, because I couldn't articulate anything. I couldn't. And, I, and and then what I was saying sounded too sycophantic and then, yeah, I just, but, you know, we live and we learn, don't we? No, of course, it's just really funny to me, like, how many gigs you would have played in front of how many thousands of people and then, like, what happened? And I, I mean, mate, I can tell you right now, if I was in your shoes, I'd probably have exactly the same reaction. I mean... But do you know what the thing with that, that is? That is, like, sorry, so I, like, I, the thing with, like, my playing as a musician, I should always struggle with that because I was, like... I couldn't compartmentalise that. Whenever I was playing a gig, I would be I would be so euphoric or devastated if it didn't go right. I would be like I would be emotionally depleted of the whole of the rest rest of the day. And whereas I could yeah. see other people in my band or other bands, but with much more just like doing their job would get off. 
could never do that. So when I even when I went on and did Test Match Special, I couldn't really just have a conversation. I was too aware of what was happening, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's actually really interesting when you do write about that, like your emotional attachment, involvement to gigs, like how you're like shouting as loud when the, in the early days when you're shouting really, really loudly during like during songs and what have you. Yeah. Like loud, you know, as loud as your fucking amp or what have you. I mean, well, like your attachment, your, your emotional attachment to the band, especially where the way you articulate it so poetically, and that's a theme throughout the whole book, I might add. The, the element of poetry in it is it's so beautifully is linguistic a, a, a bloody linguistical dream um <laughs> but like when when you are um articulating to that level about your being in a band and how important it is to you emotionally um a family and and then you know wanting to, to to live in it and then when you feel it's coming to an end like how it you, you know tapping back into your grief with your mum I know I'm just literally just explaining what's happening in in a part of the book but it just for me that really moved me you know it i like what why do you think like out of all the band members and you particularly you were moved in that way like in a live experience well yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm interested to hear what your kind of experience of this is actually but I'm, but the um i think what do I think? I think I, okay, I, I think that um, as it happens with a lot of people that that lose people they love when they're young, you do some some people, and I definitely unknowingly, unconsciously carried the feeling that I'd sort of was numbed out from, and play every time there's a different loss. Beyond my conscience, I was experiencing that until I really dealt with it. So it, it's yeah. always come back and come back and come back. And I think yeah. with, with, with the, in, in the case of the band, I think the band was a really safe thing to put a lot of those feelings into because it didn't actually risk the vulnerability of a relationship and losing someone. It was a little yeah. bit more vague than that. And I felt more comfortable to put all of my life into that moving thing and when yeah. everyone got older relationships start becoming more important in people's lives and all that kind of thing and I didn't necessarily ever get that I didn't have that inclination and I think that's that's unresolved grief really but I felt like no 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 mm. the band is the safest thing to that we all like encourage and so eventually when you I was just trying to hold on to it hold on to it until it just snapped and then at the end of the band I think um, what it is the catalyst really for me to to to, what, to like to basically realize my mum's not there anymore, which sounds completely mental because it's like fifteen years later. But yeah. I think um, I'm not sure if it's usual or unusual, but that was that, I mean that's just really fascinating from a human perspective that something could happen so long ago, and then you only really realize when it's you know 15 years later oh like she's not coming back yeah and i know it sounds really sort of heartbreaking and weird but like um that is how i felt about it yeah yeah no, no i get it delay grief man like for sure because you you're the, the, the tent pole of your life is being held up by the maccabees and like this success exactly you're having. yeah yeah you know and it's and it's like when that oh, oh man when i when you started talking about how when the maccabees were falling coming to an end um and then you start comparing it to like your, your mum in the last few weeks or the last year or so, and you knew it was coming. Oh man, fucking hell! I started thinking about whether it because my father died over a six weeks a six week period um, of, of meningitis, and I and I, I thought wow. this morning to myself like, you know, what would you rather have? Would you rather have like ten years of this slow slow decline? get used to it or just the six week ripping off of the band-aid or like or even worse which some people die i had a friend whose father dropped dead in front of him you know and it's like oh. what the fuck do you know what i mean like i do there are so many different levels and they're all they're all um relative there's nothing like not one of those gets the go like go go ahead sorry gets more importance than the other one because we're all individuals and we all experience grief differently but clearly like the way it inhabited your life um on so many different levels um it, it, it's 
I don't know. I don't no, know what you're trying to say. I, I think I'm no, just no, basically having a conversation I, I, with you. So, I think that's really interesting what you just said, and I completely like. I completely feel you. I was actually watching um, Mortimer and Whitehouse gone fishing yesterday. Have you, see, have you seen that series? I've seen se- season one. Yeah, really good. Um, so he was. I, I, I don't know what order I've seen the series, and just occasionally when it pops up, I watch it. And it, um, Bob Mortimer was talking about his. Um, his dad dying and I think his dad got hit by a truck something like that like a really sudden I can't I don't know what it was something or, or was it an illness or he dropped out something there was right, like, suddenly uh, there was a really sudden death and I've, I, I was interested sort of what don't want to project too much onto him but I've really there is an element of him which I really kind of can see in myself where he stayed a certain age you know even though he's, he's, he's actually very wise and has a, obviously has a huge perspective and really intelligent and, and, and really enjoy listening to him. Part of his skill is that he has a childlike, um, you know what I mean? Like thing that people really, are, are really drawn to him with. And I, and I feel like um, I, I still experience that in myself where a part of me has stayed 17 or whatever it was. And you're always fighting that part of yourself because people are drawn to it. But the interesting part of it to me is that like when that person dies, you can't leave the person, a bit of that person you are stays, mm. stays like cemented there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like kind of stays. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like there's no, no two ways about it. And what really interests me when um, you spoke about um, Ben Holyoke passing, like his, his, his death, that was just like, I remember that really, really well. And uh, um, for those people that don't know who Ben is, uh, he was a cricketer for Surrey and he was a real prospect and he died in a car crash just tragically in Australia. And I mean, I was, I was heartbroken by that. But when you spoke to Adam, his brother, and he said, look, you know, um, you lost your mum and mums die before sons usually i brothers don't usually younger brothers don't usually fucking die before older brothers um and you felt that like in your throat like whenever you talk about your physicality of grief and emotion get, getting caught in your throat totally with you on that one mate and and yeah. like again like all our all our grief is separate and important but I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying there is like, you know, what, what did talking to fucking someone like Adam Holyoke about the loss of his brother do for you? Like what was, what were you hoping thought, to yeah. achieve there? Like when I was talking about, um, I don't know if what I was hoping to achieve, but I think when I decided this was how I was going to go that far in the book, I felt like I needed to chase down all those avenues. And especially if I was talking about cricket, and my projected feelings onto it and grief, Ben was a really important part of that because I, when you're talking about the truant um, element of going to school, bunking school with my mates who didn't want to watch the cricket, Ben was part yeah. of that Surrey team and, there were, and, and I, I, I'd shout his name and he waved at me like, you know, a few years previous. And yeah. I, it's, it's hard to explain now because it sounds like such a small moment, but that really, when you're like 13, 14, that means a lot when, you know, when one of your heroes does that. And so I, even just from that moment, I felt a sort of affinity with Ben. And then after my mum had died, I did feel this kind of weird buzz for a while, like not really quite sort of floating, alien thing. Yeah. And Ben died about a month later, suddenly in a car crash. And I think... The interesting part of that was that that suddenly that made me feel in a far deeper way than my mum's death had done through what Adam must be feeling or that it must must have been um, or heavier for him. So I was loaded with, with sort of guilt or like it's just co- very complicated feeling. And so I felt like yeah. when I was if I'm going through the book, I've always wanted to know what Adam felt. And yeah. Um, so there's a very candid conversation in that book with Adam about his brother's death. And I, I don't know what I was trying to find from it, but I felt like it was, it was just part of the process of grief that sometimes you can't feel your own experience. It's too numbing to even feel your own experience and you need to see it in another one to kind of just right. let a little bit that door open a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Or to be hurt Absolutely. by someone else. 
Um, oh mate, absolutely, and it comes out in such weird ways. Like I, I, I find like emotionally. I mean, I was, I'm pretty. Emo- I was a pretty emotional guy before my dad passed away. But like, there's just this. Um, um, I do want to talk. Can you just? I know this is really, really amateur, and I haven't asked anybody to do this before. But can you try and remind me to talk about um, your the guilt with your mum because yeah. I think that is fucking fascinating. Yeah. But um, actually, let's just deal with that now because I've forgotten what I was going to ramble on about anyway because it is fucking fascinating to me. So, like, basically, um, you're you struggle a lot with the guilt, at least through the book. Like, you know, uh, when the, the night of your mother, the sorry, the you explain it because I know it and I'm just going to fuck it up, basically. And uh, it's, you know, sorry. Yeah, I got, no, 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 of course I can explain that, yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, the guilt that I, I mean, the guilt that I had with my mum's death is that I just, I'd got so into Oasis. Um, I was obsessed with Oasis. <laughs> and um, the night, of, and it was starting to really completely overtake my life, Oasis, to the point that I wasn't concentrating, you know, while my mum was getting more and more ill. And I... When I knew my mum was really ill, I went to see Oasis at Watford Coliseum, which was a tiny gig that I'd sort of bunked school to get tickets for. And then we bunked a day and it was like kind of wild experience where it was like so claustrophobic and cramped. And I was right at the front and Liam, I waved at Liam and he looked at me. This sort of like very teen adolescent, but a kind of like, you know, once in a lifetime evening or those evenings that sort of stay with me. Amazing. Yeah, and I was very buzzed out by it, and I um, I went I went home, knew my mum was ill, and I I'd sort of put my head around the corner, and I didn't really stop to speak to her because I was too excited about Oasis. And then I went to school next day, and when I come back, she died, and I had this for for decades. I didn't speak about that, but I had this constantly building feeling but I had prioritised Oasis instead of my mum. And I'd mm. also played cricket at school, so I'd missed her death, being present at her death. Yeah. And it, the reason that's in the book is because I thought it was really interesting, but by, by the time the band has split up and I've confronted the grief, I eventually speak to my dad about that because it's, you know, it's taken us all our little time to surface from it. And my dad tells me, no, 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 no. That was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen because her seeing you that happy, even for a second, yeah. she, he said it cut through all the pain that she was feeling at all. And she was yeah. suddenly the woman she was before the illness. And he said that was just one of the most powerful things you ever see. And I thought it was that was just interesting in terms of um, the the lack, lack of communication sometimes we carry, but I'd been, for, oh, for that yeah. long, I'd been feeling a certain way about it. And then it turns out the reality. Why do you think you did that? Why do you think you harbored it for so long, man? Like that, I mean, it's not, it's not like you, your dad was uh, unapproachable, right? No, 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 not at all. Absolutely not. I think, I think we just do these things to ourselves and I think we need places to put things. And I think, Think life's complicated and I, I, I mean I don't yeah. I don't think I was consciously like trying to um trying to torture myself I just think yeah. we, we create we create storylines in our own lives for ourselves don't we and sometimes they're the wrong ones yeah you know? yeah and so I think that's that was an example of that really do you know I want to I want to talk to you a little bit here because um I think like you're the I don't fuck it but basically I had I had two things happen. One, uh, about three months before my dad died, we had a fight, a physical fight. I was shit-faced. We were having a bonfire at the bottom of the garden. I was, loads of people were around, big fat fuck, fucking bonfire. My mum was winding my dad up to go down and um, basically get me to stop, turn the music down, that sort of thing. And I was shit-faced. We, we had this argument and it ended up in a goddamn like fight. Unbelievable. Obviously traumatic. And thankfully, we didn't like exchange blows or anything. It was like a right. wrestle to the ground. Sure. Just this is nonsense. Well, um, I didn't talk to him for like fucking six weeks, and then probably like six weeks later, he was dead. But it was like a a few days before he got really ill that I apologised to him. And Felix, mate, can you even fucking imagine? Had I not fucking manned up and just said, "Dad, I'm sorry." I probably would have fucking offed myself, mate. And I, I know what exactly what you're talking about. And there's just, 
you what we what we do to ourselves i mean like i carried that around with me definitely for a long time i think did um, you can I start, can I ask, I, did you did you um have a sense when it was happening like i need to i need him to know that i'm sorry about that was that like a, or did it just sort of come out or was it something that was I, I i just you know what we're like us guys we're fucking terrible but when i was a boy i was like i said what well, i was i felt like a boy you know, you're talking earlier about how when you were a kid, like, you know, when the trauma happens to you, you stay like a boy. Some of that stayed with me. So I still have a connection to that side of me heavily. But yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, you're like 22 years old and finally got around to just going, hey, I'm sorry. And I really felt like I needed to do it. And thank Christ I did. I mean, thank God. I can't, I, I, you just can't even compute what that would have been like. And what you went through with your with your with your with your mum but anyway I'm making this about myself no you're not so no you're not at all I'm really I'm really in, you're not at all I'm really interested in that and I think there's there's but um you're definitely not doing that I, th- I think that I think I think one thing that's interesting is how much um how much we put on that last moment with someone that we saw there's a lot yeah. of um gravity put on, placed on that moment isn't it and what how they felt about us at that exact moment yeah. I think quite often it's um, a stick to beat yourself with because I think, um, I, this is what I think, I think it's about control. I think that there's so, such a lack of control in someone you die, you love dying that you can't, you can't get them back. But sometimes you need to assert some control on the situation and sometimes there's control in just blaming yourself and turning the story inwards yeah. at least you're like in command of what's going on there in your head and your story and you, if you yeah. can beat yourself up about that it's probably useful in some ways you know absolutely that makes sense oh yeah God. rather than, oh, it, God, being, yeah. Yeah. Rather than yeah, it being like yeah. no it's just this is just what happens in life he, he died too early yeah i know. You know it's so it's so hard to it's so hard to process it really is and like i was, I was walking again i was doing a lot of thinking about your book today whilst walking the dogs um and i was thinking you know about um how sometimes it's not real like they're not he's not here what like that 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 element of him not being here anymore did you have that with 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 lana was it like um for a long time did you struggle with the fact that you you for a split second she's there in your life actually and physically she's not there in a room but like oh i'll go home tomorrow and she'll be there Mm. um and then you suddenly remember fucking how she's gone. Like she's not there anymore. Like, did you have that? I think I had that probably less because because she was ill for so long. She had MS for I yeah. don't know how long it was actually, but it probably God was it fourteen, fifteen years, maybe a bit less. But anyway, she yeah, she 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 had MS and she was slowly getting worse and worse all the time. So I don't think I had that. There was plenty of sort of preparation of watching her get ill and being like, you know, it was it was obvious which way it was going. So I don't yeah. think there was quite the same sense as people lost people quickly and it's just suddenly like, what, there's just a space at the table or, or whatever it was, you know. Every yeah. little part of that was kind of like incremental. Um, but as, as you said, I don't know if that's easier or harder or, or what really. I think, yeah. I, I think as we were saying earlier, man, I think sometimes, sometimes it's more, it's, Sometimes I get it now. I'm like, oh, she's not here. But I don't think yeah. I necessarily did it at the time. Yeah. You know? If you really would no, get absolutely. Like, after this long, you still think like, oh, yeah, she's just not coming back. <laughs> it's quite a well, hard yeah. thing to forget into your head, I, isn't it? I know. <laughs> it's so weird. I think uh, the older I get, I'm slightly more used to it, I get. But then again, you want to shoot, you want your dad's, your mum to share in the stuff that you've achieved, right? A little bit, like a fam, a family. I, I got two kids. Do you have any kids? I don't know. No, I don't. No. I'd love to have kids, um, though. Yeah. Yeah, and like you know did, that when did that they know your dad, around, like, your kids. No, no obviously no, didn't, did they? Yeah, because you no. died when you were twenty-two. No, they're only young. Um, my mine are t- uh, three and uh, six months, but right. um. Basically, um, <laughs> this is if, if you know had you had you we we just like had a chat and this book wasn't out we'd be just talking about the Maccabees and maybe maybe we'd stumble across your mum somehow we sure. probably would do because of my my propensity to just basically go me me my grief my dad died when I was twenty two no you haven't done um, that at all man I think that's what it, this is for it's conversation isn't it yeah yeah I guess yeah um, 
But like one thing that I remember about Maccabees is when you guys were playing Glasto, and it's what's brilliant as you you might you could have just not put this in the book, but you talk about the moment the sun comes out at Glastonbury yeah, when you're playing yeah, the other yeah. stage, and I, I was there for. Do you that. remember that? I, yeah, oh, no I, way. That's no, so nice, I, mate. It was. It wasn't the worst Glastonbury either for weather, so it was really great. And from then on, I think the sun shined pretty much straightforward. But it was, I think it was no kind words, actually, you were playing. And the sun came out. And I was like, oh, great. I think this is about the only Maccabees song I know, because I wasn't, like, the biggest fan sure. then. Sure, yeah, I was yeah. just getting, getting on the journey, as it were. Yeah. Because um, like what, what really made me giggle was how nervous you were, right, playing stage. Like, and you said you were barely being able to stand up. Yeah. What? what, what what was it like, man? Playing. I always felt that. I always felt that. Yeah, those those moments were really like always really surreal. I I I couldn't beat the nerves out of me really. Like whether it was just adrenaline or thing. Like I, I desperately wanted to be above it all and be really cool and just be like wander on. But I just fucking I just could not teach my body not to do that. And especially when you're doing Glastonbury or whatever, and you are looking out in front of like sixty to eighty thousand people, and then you the cameras, and you're so aware. Like I'm, on, I'm on BBC Two now, and looking yeah. at things. You're so like sort of, um, you can feel yourself being beamed into all people's homes and stuff. And I just couldn't, just just being aware of it, I couldn't just my body. Like I think I'm right, but um, my legs would shake so much that my stance would get wider and wider. Like I was in the clash, but it wasn't because I was trying to look like I was in the clash. It was just to try and stand up straight. I uh, like it, but it was um but they were amazing like it's because you really felt just like so alive doing that yeah. and like i'm really in love with my band because you look across and think fucking hell man we really <laughs> smashed this um <laughs> but yeah that, that, that's so nice that you remember that i because i wasn't sure when i was writing it if i'd slightly dreamt it but we did talk about it all the time that the sun came and it did used to weirdly just used to do that at, um a lot of Maccabees festivals, we walk on to rain and the sun would come <laughs> out. And it's like, it was just really Are you like, owning this, uh, Felix? Are you owning yeah, yeah, this I'm in now, control mate? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, fine. Okay, we'll go yeah, down we, that. We had that weird thing that it happened like, like on more than one occasion. It was really bizarre, but... Um, yeah. But it must be, especially at Glaster when like the, the fucking sun is at a premium, you know? It was amazing. Yeah, it, it was, was such cool. a... I remember my friend Jenny and at the time and uh, we all looked at each other like whoa this yeah no, but I remember the whole, the whole place like everywhere into the distance was cheering it was like really yeah really special thing yeah that's cool you yeah know. like when you when you're in a tent at Glastonbury and the sun comes out you just hear like everyone starts it's just mental the, the cheering goes round the it reminded me of actually when they, we did the cheer for the NHS during Covid right yeah yeah um, yeah because we used to live in Sydenham back then in, in South East London and um, you could hear it you could hear it like reverb, like re- reverberating around the whole of the, like I don't know, like half a mile around. Yeah, it was no, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's but um, man, like so, I do <laughs> another really personal thing for me. The connection um, is it in into the wild or given to the wild. Given to the wild. Yeah, I always get mixed up. Into the wild's a film. Yeah, yeah. The film. Yeah, damn good film to be yeah, associated with. Great film into the wild. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, like so, I my 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 tangible memory of that album when it came out, I um was um just how I, in a bad place I was with this relationship I was in, and I was going through a terrible stage. But my God, that album got me through. It's you and Into the Belly of the Brazen Bull by the Cribs, yeah. And um, f- f- those two fantastic albums, man. Like, and obviously <laughs> you've got three others, but the dedication that your fans have right and similar to the cribs i guess like that kind of like really emotive indie um sound so unique so like so desperately unique in such a wonderful way um like how close do you get to your fans like i mean in terms of gigs because i know you're like a fan of the band yeah like that must be that must be kind of uh, yeah, you I meet did, some pretty intense fans, I should imagine. No, I mean, we look, we had a, we had people that but came to see us from the very start of the band till till the end. So you do feel like you sort of travelled and I like the important part of your lives with quite a lot of people. But and by the time we were getting to Given to Wild, I think we were starting to get bigger and bigger. So we were starting to have less sort of direct communication with people because you just get wheeled in at places and you know that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, but we did have 
you know, there's probably, I mean, as I'm thinking about it now, there's like sort of like five, six, seven, eight faces probably into my head, people that would travel and see the band, be at the front, be waiting outside. Yeah. And we just do this kind of like, because we were like, you know, like this is what we were like, bringing out cups of tea for them stuff. We were probably too nice to them. Like we didn't keep any like uh, rock and roll mystique really. Um, no. But it was, it was like, but, like British Sea Power. I love British Sea Power. They have got fuck all rock and roll mystique, and that's why I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I've got? Um, I've got one of his um, uh, Scott, the singer. I've got one of his paintings yeah. in my in my flat. Um, oh my god, you artist. lucky fucker! He is so good. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. Oh man, I was I was on Instagram like I don't know a year or so, going, "Can you come on my podcast? I love I love you. I love your band. Your art is amazing." And he was like. You know, maybe not. May you know, you're not not really. No, but oh, thanks. Yeah, but no. He's a legend. Yeah, they got new records yeah. as well. Oh, really? Fantastic. And but the other thing that did did, did this book did for me was the um, okay. We've got like five minutes. Is that okay? Of course, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, was the bands that kept coming up into my head? So like, you had like Blood Red Shoes. So you you dated? Um, is it Mary? Laura Mary. Yeah. Laura Mary. So like, again, put them on. Oh my God. Suddenly fucking hell. I'm like, this is like 12. I'm taken on a journey 12 years ago when I'm in bands listening to these most amazing tracks. Like the level of quality of guitar music back then, mate. What the fuck? We, that was a golden era, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Blood Shoes were, are still amazing, but, um, yeah, Laura, Laura Mary was, they used to rehearse next to us in Brighton, where it was like, there's a place called Brighton Electric Ground Zero, and in that, like, you'd yeah. have all the bands were in there, so, like, the, the Cure would be, I think the Cure was still in and out of there, but us and Blood Red Shoes, there's a hardcore band called Ghost of Fowls and 80s Matchbox, yeah, yeah. Beeline Disaster. Yeah. Oh, the, man, the, 80s Matchbox. Yeah, the Kooks, like, loads of, anywhere, but, but Blood Red Shoes were, like, right next door to us, and they were, like, so much noise. But I just assumed that when... um we heard them rehearsing that it was like an eight piece band full of like massive men, like making crazy noise. And then like, just remember yeah. finding out one day that it was like little Laura Mary making all that noise, just with Steve. Yeah. And just thinking, wow, that is, um, that is unreal. And she, yeah, she's an amazing guitar player, Laura Mary, amazing guitar player. Yeah. So, phenomenal sound. Like there's so many two piece bands, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know well, you they were ahead of their time in that sense. Cause it was like, uh, I think Slaves and all that kind of thing came about, uh, and Drenge and those bands came about as the products really of seeing Blood Red Shoes play. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like in terms of like influence, because I know like the Strokes, obviously, because I'm 39, I saw like the Strokes um, at Hyde Park for the first time six years ago. So I was way behind seeing the Strokes, but I think they were always just a bit, bit too big for me. Oh no, I did see them once at V-Fest I got stung on the tongue by a fucking wasp and I vomited up yellow fucking freaky bile. And I, I was with the Pixies as well, actually. Well, you're going to remember um, that, aren't you? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Wept. That wasp hasn't done the Strokes any favour in your, in your mind, has it? No, no. not really. Yeah. But like, so because like basically you guys when you guys ended do, do you feel like kind of like in my mind at least when you drew a line under it it was for me at least like the cribs are still going you know some bands like um kings of leon but or killers but i don't know uh they're american do you think like that whole bastion like maccabees cribs libertines blah 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 going on and on and on they're they're do you think it's ended? Do you think there's going to be another fucking rock and roll revolution no, ever? I mean, I, I don't know if there'll be like rock and roll revolution, but I think with those bands continuing, I think, like, I think amazing. I think the Cribs have always been, Cribs in, in particular have always been in their little own island of their own, really, and not been part yeah. of anything. So it kind of makes sense as brothers that they can t- they keep going, you know, I think, and that's, a, that's the real strength of that band. And I think they, they will do for a long time. And I don't think they're dependent on like, whatever it is, guitar culture or whatever, they're just the cribs. Um, yeah. and, and quite a few groups are like that, you know. I, I, and that was that was always the real touch point, I think, for a lot of special bands is like they've outlived the scenes that they're often bracketed in. But, but from yeah. the Maccabees' perspective, I think it was just about... Um, there, there, there's a lot, Sometimes there's a lifespan to a group of people spending 
every waking hour of each other and working together and sharing their entire lives. And ours, yeah. ours, ours was actually pretty good, man. It was like 14, 15 years. And like, you can't really ask for much more than that, you know? No, no, definitely not. Yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, like, that, but Land, what a voice, like so unique. And then like you growing into that sound is so, yeah. it's so special, you know? Yeah. And I also love the way you talk about the Future Heads because I think they were like a seminal band. For oh, Future Heads, man. Yeah, I love the Futures with my heart still. Yeah. Second Futures yeah. record, News and Tributes is, is one of my favourite records. Oh, mate, definitely. Yeah. It's so overlooked. Yeah, so that overlooked, yeah. I saw them at the Electric Ballroom just before uh, lockdown came in and COVID destroyed everything. Oh man, they were that was very emotional actually. Yeah. Quite a gig. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. See you, Felix. Nice one, man. Lots of love. Go, go, go well. Cheers! <laughs> <laughs>